Face-to-face, healthy relationship talk radio with one of the leading specialists and foremost authorities in healthy techniques in relationships. Learn why honor, beauty, leadership, and self-help is important for your empowerment. Get practical information on why you attract your opposite with balancing self-love and health. Also, listen to proven strategies to avoid major interrelationship mistakes that keep you bonded and push people away. Now, here's your relationship specialist and host, Daia Six. I don't know about you guys, but I love that song. <laughs> we are. I guess what? I'm so happy today, you guys, because I have a treat for you guys. Uh, and right now I'm saying calling all beautiful people um, present. <laughs> and when I say beautiful people, I am talking about from the inside out because I get tired of those claiming they're beautiful, but their actions tell you something different. Oh my God, you guys have to quit tricking us and telling us you're beautiful. And then when we see your actions, we think otherwise. Anyways, welcome to face-to-face healthy relationship talk radio. I'm so happy that you guys are here. And um, if you're new to the show, I'm Daya Six, of course. I'm your host and relationship specialist. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You guys know what? We have a few things that we're going to talk about today. So let's get into today's topic, Roy. You better follow me, shall we? Yes, today's topic is your relationship with bullying. And I had to sit, you guys, and really contemplate and think about a few things here, okay? Because guess what? Guess what I realized? That bullying is really a huge ordeal that we really need to start tackling. We do not tackle this enough. And bullying is bigger than I had really truly, you know, imagined or even considered. So I have to apologize because especially to those that have been bullied, I've always been the type of person where, um, you know, I fought for the underdog and I had to ask myself this, is everyone a bully to some point? Has everyone bullied someone to another point? Are we even conscious of bullying when or if we are bullying someone? And is bullying a natural form of a living energy amongst living things? What is bullying? How do we even prevent this, you guys, right? So um, we have two guests joining us. For, from, um, for today um, from different parts of the world, um, both who are advocates of anti-bullying and um, champs. That's what I said. So guess what? Let's get started. Let's get started in today's show, Roy. You got it? So we're going to get into today's guest, okay? And like I said before, they are both advocates of anti-bullying and are champs of bullying prevention and also both who understand and have been victims themselves and who has even, de- and, and I'll tell you this, one has even developed PTSD because his bullying was so severe. We have to wake up, you guys, as human beings. Also, we we did have a a quick food for thought about bullying, but somehow we can't we can't get to that. We're having technical problems on that, but it's okay because we have more than enough information for today, you guys. And you, I want all you guys to really listen on what's going on and following. Let me tell you this: we have a clip from um, Democracy Now with Amy Goodman interviewing Akeem Browder, the older brother 
and victim of Khalif Browder, who was falsely charged with stealing a backpack and sent to Rikers prison at the age of 16 and was physically, emotionally and verbally bullied in their system. Okay, in the prison system, you guys. And he later, guess what? Committed suicide. We got to wake up as people. And lastly, we will hear what rapper Jay-Z has to say about him and the film he decided to do in memory of Khalif Browder. So we have so much to talk about, you guys, so much to cover. You know, let's 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 just keep going. First, our guest joining us today is um, joining us from Mexico. And for decades, he was in counseling for PTSD and the cause was brutal bullying and harassment, mostly at the hands of his immediate family. Once he was a victim, but now author of Life After Bullying, a practical, actionable strategist to rid yourself of bullies, which is currently now on Amazon. And he has a a PTSD group that supports that on Facebook. And we will get into that as well. And he also has a podcast where he interviews and work at the forefront of a mental health. You guys, please welcome to the show, Nathan Seagal, Seagal, that is Nathan Seagal. I want to say Seagal, but I, Nathan Seagal is what it is. Hi, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're here and following you guys joining us all the way all the way from New York. She is a speaker and consultant on promoting safety and preventing home violence in the workplace, schools, and in places of residence. Her company was featured in July, August 2013 issues of the Meadowlands Chamber of Commerce magazine and the Meadowlands USA. And she has done numerous speaking engagements throughout New York and New Jersey, including several radio interviews with Golden Life Living with Sharice Colbert, ordaining reality with Dr. Joseph Donlin, discover a new future with Faith Sanders and the Billionaire Lifestyle Podcast with Emmett Muckles. And now on HRT Radio with me, please welcome you guys founder and CEO of Also oh Safe, Sabrina. Also, oh Sabrina, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I am so happy to have the two of you on the show because I said, you know what, let's go ahead. I, I, I want you guys to piggyback off of each other because um, I have to apologize to you and anyone else that have been bullying, like I said, because I, this isn't something that I've thought about, you know, um, I, and I had to sit in my chair you know, when I knew that I was having you guys on the show and I said, have I ever bullied someone, you know, where, you know, they were uncomfortable, you know, with what I said, what I did. And I remember one incident when I was in uh, elementary school and I did bully this one little girl. And when I tell you, I became sick and I said, oh my gosh, I have also, um, I've, I've also participated in this disgusting behavior. And the first person I want to hear from is Nathan. Um, Nathan, could you be so nice to kind of tell us a little bit about your bullying situation? Well, like, um, like you said when you read the intro, it, it, the vast majority came from where I grew up, yeah. uh, the hands of uh, my family. And it... it has continued in many different ways uh, uh, over the years. There have been different um, uh, privacy violations to do with that, but it took a very long time for me to figure out what was going on. And actually what happened in my early 50s, I realized that 
what was happening is something called scapegoating, which many people may, may have heard of but don't necessarily know much about. And what it means is that one member of the family is chosen to be the receptacle for all the family's pain, their disowned pain. So they project all their pain onto that one family member and blame that person for all their problems. And that's the situation I found myself in. And mm -hmm. it, like I said, it took me decades to figure it out. And you did. It, was, yeah. it was not easy because, yeah, I finally got there. It, 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 took, it took a long time because one of the problems with this kind of thing, it, what I realized uh, also a number of years ago is that it was di designed so that I would never figure out what was happening. And what happened is when I was 19, I started going to counseling because of the pain. I eventually figured it out and realized, I mean, I had a counselor at one point telling me that, that, um, that the family situation was broken. And she kept telling me this, but I kept trying to figure it out. And one day I realized, she kept telling me, these problems are not yours. You didn't cause this problem, but I believed that if I could somehow figure out how to solve it, then everything would be fine. And one day, after becoming really sick, because of a family fight, I woke up out of my denial, and mm -hmm. I realized what was happening. And that's when I took responsibility for my participation in what was going on. Uh, and I realized that it was not going to stop unless I stopped it. And that's when I ended all contact with those people and just said, no more. And okay. But a key dis key component of this thing was accepting my role in it, realizing that I was playing a part in it, that I just couldn't blame people. That's that's a mistake as I learned, but I, that I had a role in it in believing that I could fix a situation that I actually could not fix. It was impossible. Well, you know what, Nathan, I think that that is very mature for you to say that you had a role in it. And and you know what, I want, I want to come back to that because I want to, um, I want to talk about that a little bit for all those that who are listening that who think they don't have a role or, you know, I mean, I mean, the list goes on with that. And then Sabrina, what about you? When did you know that um, you were actually being bullied? Because one thing you and Nathan both have something in common. Um, you too, you know, you were being bullied in your home. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Um, I call it, uh, it's home violence. Uh, mm -hmm. and I would say, uh, bullying is a form of, of abuse, you know, so, uh, and you could definitely relate bullying with home violence. Um, my father beat my mother on a regular basis and it's very traumatic. You know, uh, it affects every facet of your life. Uh, in relationships and friendships in the workplace. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that you don't come out of it, that you don't, as Nathan, you know, you do, you do supersede and you do survive and you, mm -hmm. you know, provided that you get the right help. Um, but it, it's, it's no way to live. You know, no one I, should, I should agree. live that I way. Agree. Yeah, I agree, Sabrina. And guess what? We're getting ready to come up on tunes. You guys, when we come back, we're going to have Nathan and Sabrina go more detailed into this. You guys hold on because we have so much more to talk about, so much to cover on this bullying situation. Don't go anywhere. Stay connected with DIA 6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques right here on Face-to-Face -face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. Oh, 
Attention ladies, have you ever wanted to create a successful platform and a voice for yourself? Do you believe in leadership, diversity, and equality? If you're between the ages of 18 to 30, by October, Miss Indigenous International Beauty Pageant invites you. Come compete and represent your country in the only pageant glorifying women with natural hair and beauty. And the first to do it globally. Teach the world while serving your community. Imagine yourself being the planet's Miss Indigenous. Finally, the luxurious feeling of being a real beautiful woman. Hurry, space is limited. Go to MissIndigenous.com and apply now. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It's a fact that working out for 30 minutes a day will improve your health and make you feel oh so good. But if you are on a quest to lose weight, you should be looking to exercise aerobically for 45 minutes to an hour. I know that may sound daunting, but it's really not. You don't have to kill yourself to keep your heart rate up for 45 to 60 minutes. I know people who put their iPod on and walk for an hour a day. Consequently, they are losing weight, increasing their energy, and feeling great. On the other hand, if you're like me and want to maintain your present weight, then 30 minutes of cardio a day is perfect. The benefits of cardio exercise are fast. And even if you're not trying to lose weight, it is necessary and vital to your health. So schedule in your cardio exercise six to seven days a week and watch your health, energy, and outlook on life improve. I'm Annette Hammond. Baby, I've been thinking about you. Now, back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. All right, you guys, welcome back. Like I said, we had just left out. Oh, my goodness. That break went by fast. <laughs> that break went by so fast. And uh, we have author uh, Nathan Siegel and Sabrina also, you know, visiting us. And you guys were talking about bullying for those of you that who were just tuning in. And before we went on the break, Sabrina, um, I had asked you, you know, how does home violence relate to bullying? And the reason why I want to ask you that is because, a lot of times when there is violence inside the home, that type of violence will trickle down. It's almost like it's a pecking order. You know, um, the children will see the parents doing it and then the children start doing it to each other. And then a lot of times when people see sibling rivalry in the home, people do not take that as being, you know, you know, they don't even category it as bullying, you know, Um First of all, let's do this. How does home violence relate to bullying? Let's let's start there first. Sure. Well, there is a statistic that there's at least 15 million children that witness violence in their own homes each and every year. Mm-hmm. If you divide that by 50 states, 5-0, that comes out to be about 300,000 children per state. And uh-huh. I know that, you know, Texas is, is not the size of California. California is not the size of New Jersey. But mm-hmm. let's assume that... Uh, demographically they are that is a lot of children that are witnessing violence and then they go to school and what do they do if they're feeling aggressive if they're feeling hostility they see it in the home they think that this is correct then they will indeed bully other students other peers and think that that's correct or maybe they're just venting their out their anger because they see it in the home so one definitely affects the other Mm-hmm. Now, Nathan, yeah. I yeah, I have a question. I'm so happy that you're getting ready to speak because, you know, when you had witnessed it in your home, 
you know, did you also witness like domestic violence in your home as well or no? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although it was mostly from, from my perception directed at me, there was, uh, in terms of the, the bullying, the, the, the thing is, so, um, the, the, there are two different ways it could manifest. One is to where the child becomes a bully themselves. The other way is, uh, in my case, because I was taught to that I was the victim and that was the role that I wound up playing. So it just continued in the school system where I wound up getting bullied uh, right throughout various different schools. It wasn't until I got help for the PTSD, which was a couple of years ago is when I, that started and finished about a year ago. See, one of, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize, and people told me this, but I really didn't want to believe it, even though I was pretty sure it was true, is that if you've been bullied, uh, you suffer a psychological injury and you wind up emitting an energy that attracts other bullies in your life. Now, I heard that and I didn't want to believe it, but I realized finally that it was true, especially after going through the counseling for the PTSD and when the PTSD vanished from my life, so did uh, like a huge amount of the bullying issues. And with yeah. the exception of uh, one person who has shown up to do it repeatedly, uh, I haven't had it in any other area of my life. Wow. And that's now, it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I was just getting ready to ask you that if you felt like that you attracted that to yourself, because I know you said that there was, you know, bullying at school. And Sabrina, what about you? Because we know that, you know, you, you know, you were bullied in your home and and, you, you know, you witnessed domestic violence or, you know, things like that. Do you feel that you also outside of your home attracted bullies? Yes, uh, definitely. I would say um, I would say it was where I was the the target, you know, of, of bullies. Uh, definitely, uh, because you're a victim at home. For me, in my case, if you're a victim at home, then at school, I was also a victim as well. Uh, definitely. It, w it was very painful. Uh, because then people, you kind of, you, you kind of turn inward instead of being uh, not shy or not outgoing. And I'm not saying that being inward is, there's something wrong with you, but you're not yourself. You know, when you're, when you live in that type of violent atmosphere, you kind of can't really know what it is that, what type of personality you really are because you've been shut you've been told to shut up or you've been told don't say anything or you've been told that you're not your personality is not yours you know so uh definitely i i would say so bullied at home bullied bullied at school one definitely relates or bleeds into the other so to speak Wow. You know what? Oh, my goodness. I sh I really hope that um, we have a few people that are listening that can um, actually learn from the two of you. You guys, right now, we're going to go into a food for uh, thought from Nai Nasir. And um, I, I want to know what you guys input is um, on this. OK, Roy, we're ready to play that. This Food for Thought is about the unwanted aggressive behavior of bullying. Can we all agree that bullying is an imbalanced power used to control a person or a situation? Why would someone want to use such power and form an inhumane action upon another? When anyone possesses this type of behavior or this type of lifestyle, 
It's because of pure innate misery. And I think it's because misery loves company. And misery compares in ways when it doesn't have to. Misery is self-created by some form of deprivation which can be avoided once we learn that misery always starts in the home. So attention parents, this job of the home is to express individual love and positive uniqueness. This is what creates the fuel each human needs to become spiritually sufficient. This fuel I'm speaking about is called self-esteem. Let's build self-esteem to overthrow misery. Unfortunately, this is a code red. For parents to step up and take responsibility and remember that parenting doesn't stop at 3 or 4 or even 15, it's a special commitment. A commitment of loyal, healthy teaching with the continuation guiding until their children get it. And my close note is this. I look forward to parents being better parents. I look forward to individuals understanding a deeper compassion for others not because society says that they should but it's because it's what they've been taught therefore it is who they truly are this is Nina Seer with your food for thought on HRT radio don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spreaker and hey follow me on Instagram under official underscore Nina Seer my time is up back to you Miss Six Okay, so what I was saying is, um, you know, misery is, is, do you guys think that that has some play in it? Do you think that all those that who bully have to have some form of, you know, maybe they have self-esteem problems? And the reason why I ask that is because I come from a loving home and I want you guys to help me understand and help all of those that who are listening. Um, my mother raised me to have, you know, high self-esteem. So, I was always fighting for those that who were being bullied in, um, you know, in elementary and even in junior high. So but that's because I had really great self-esteem due to the loving care of my mother. What do you guys think about that? Um, Let's let's. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, self-esteem is definitely an issue. But actually what it brought up for me is. And again, this took me a long time to figure it out, but one of the major problems that I had, and I noticed it with other people as well who had been bullied, is the issue of boundaries. Mm -hmm. And the people who were doing the bullying would violate my boundaries whenever they wanted to, but I couldn't do anything about theirs. And it one of the things that it, it caused major problems as an adult because I didn't even know I had boundaries mm-hmm. until I went to counseling and a counselor explained it to me one day and I thought, Oh, so that's why I feel so bad, why I've been feeling so bad for so many years, because people were violating my boundaries in my family, and and I didn't know what was happening. I didn't have a reference. You see, when you grow up in a family like this, one of the things that happens is that you are stripped of all your power. You don't even know that you have it because you never grew up in an environment where it was supported. Mm-hmm. Self-esteem, all that, forget it. That doesn't even exist. You You don't know about it. But how can you function in a way that where you can even use words like self-esteem if you don't even know that you even have it? Uh, if these things were taken away at a young age, it, it's, it's like living in a vacuum. People talk about this kind of stuff, but you can't understand it because you n- never experienced it or nobody ever told you. 
It's the same with the boundaries. When I finally realized it, that's when I started slamming some major doors and saying no to a lot of people, which, of course, escalated the violence I experienced. But it also, I I also learned about protecting myself. And ultimately, that's what led me to where I am right now, where uh, going no contact because I had to. The environment was so extreme, so toxic that the that I had to. Otherwise, I might not be here right now. And yeah. that's a reality, for me that's, at least. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So, Sabrina, let me ask you this. What's wrong with what's being done to combat home violence? Because we know that it starts there in the home. So, you know, how do we combat this? Yes, well, uh, I know for what's good is that the... The silence is being broken more and more, especially with the Me Too and the Time's Up campaigns and all of these other people that are just speaking out. Whether you're female or male, it really doesn't matter. I mean, let's face it, most of the victims are women, but I think the silence has to be broken. Uh, I know with uh, on my end, I am doing a holistic approach with uh, combating home violence where uh, I'm providing this education in the homes, in schools, and then in your workplace. Wait a minute, Sabrina. You bullying, said sure. Wait a minute. You said a holistic approach. Right, a holistic okay. approach to okay. right. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, no, I get that. Listen, we're coming up on tunes again, you guys. When we come back, we're going to hear this holistic approach um, from Sabrina. You guys don't go nowhere because we still have so much to cover. All right, all right. Stay with sure. us. connected with Daia 6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques right here on Face-to-Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. Attention, ladies. Would you like to create a platform for your success? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Intelligence? A leader? Or trendsetter? What about a queen? Well, if you're between the ages of 18 to 30 by October, Miss Indigenous International Beauty Pageant is looking for you to come represent your country. It's the only pageant glorifying women with natural hair and beauty, and the first to do it globally. Come create value a difference while serving your community. Finally, the luxurious feeling of being a real beautiful woman. Hurry, space is limited. Beat the early bird deadline. Go to www.missindigenous.com. Apply now. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. February is Heart Awareness Month, with heart disease being the number one killer of Americans. Approximately 632,000 Americans die each year, which means one out of every four disease-related deaths in the U.S. are attributed to heart disease. According to the American Heart Association, approximately 785,000 Americans have their first heart attack each year, with an additional 470,000 experiencing a recurrent heart attack. That equals a staggering 1,255,000 Americans each year falling prey to a heart attack. According to the CDC, approximately 4 out of every 10 people who have heart disease 
are also inactive. It's time to get moving. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Baby, I've been thinking about you. Now, back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are talking about this nasty, nasty thing called bullying. And we have author Nathan Siegel and Sabrina also. Of course, I'm your host, Daya Six. Okay, you guys, before we went on another commercial break, um, we were listening to Sabrina. And Sabrina, can you explain? Because I'm a little interested in this holistic approach that you were speaking about. Can you go into that just a little bit? Sure. Uh, a holistic approach to promoting safety and preventing home violence. What that is about is there are three facets of a person's life that I would say someone spends most of their time. When they're a child, they're in school. When they are, as an adult, you're in the workplace. And then obviously you're in your home, whatever that home is, whether you're living in a townhouse, a co-op, a multifamily dwelling, a single family home. So I provide this education in all three facets, uh, in schools, in the workplace, and in your place of residence. And I feel that this is very important because, for example, something like the difference between abuse and discipline, we need to educate tenants. We need to educate uh, students in schools when they are of dating age how to stay away from someone who can be an abuser or a bully. Uh, in the workplace, the same type of education. So that way one reinforces the other. And I feel like people are just not educated in safety and preventing home violence. Uh, We just grow up and we think that, okay, we're just going to pair up with someone. And then there's no, we, there are warning signs. There are definitions of abuse. There are definite uh, ways of being that, that where you're not a bully, where you're not abusive. So I hope that answers that question regarding the holistic approach. No, it really, it really does. And I want to thank you for that because you know what, we're getting ready to go ahead and play um, one more clip. You guys, this was a young man. Oh my goodness. He committed suicide because he was being bullied in the prison system. He was arrested because um, a police officer stopped him because of the color of his skin and decided to make up a lie talking about that his backpack was stolen. And um, you know what? I'm not even going to speak anymore. I'm going to go ahead and let this clip play. Roy, I am ready when you are. Well, we end today's show with the tragic news that Khalif Browder has committed suicide. He was a young New York student who spent three years in Rikers Island jail without being convicted of a crime. On Saturday, Khalif took his own life at his home in the Bronx. He was 22 years old. In 2010, when he was just 16, he was sent to Rikers Island without trial on suspicion of stealing a backpack. Earlier this year, the New Yorker obtained explosive video showing the violence to which Khalif was subjected to there. Surveillance camera footage shows him being abused on two separate occasions. In one clip from 2012, the teenager is seen inside Rikers Central Punitive Segregation Unit, better known as the Bing. 
as a guard escorts Khalif to the showers. Uh, he, uh, Khalif appears to speak, and then the guard suddenly violently hurls him to the floor, although he's already handcuffed. Uh, in a separate video clip from 2010, Khalif is attacked by almost a dozen other teenage inmates after he punches a gang member who spat in his face. The other inmates pile onto Khalif and pummel him until guards finally intervene. Khalif's case led to calls for reforming New York's criminal justice system. On the night of his arrest years ago, Khalif Browder was walking home from a party with his friends in the Bronx May 15, 2010, when he was stopped by police based on a tip that he had robbed someone weeks earlier. He told HuffPost Live what happened next. They had searched me, and the guy actually said, at first he said, I robbed him, and I didn't have anything on me. And that's you when say nothing, you mean no weapon and none of his no property? No weapon, no money, anything he said that I allegedly robbed him for. So the guy actually changed up his story and said that I actually tried to rob him, but then another police officer came and they said that, that um, I robbed him two weeks prior, and then they said, we're going to take you to the precinct, and most likely we're going to let you go home, and then I never went home. That's right. Khalif Browder did not return home for 33 months, almost three years, even though he was never tried or convicted. For nearly 800 days of that time, he was held in solitary confinement. He maintained his innocence, requested a trial, but was only offered plea deals while the trial was repeatedly delayed. Near the end of his time in jail, the judge offered to sentence him to time served if he entered a guilty plea and told him he could face 15 years in prison if he was convicted. He refused to accept the plea deal, was only released when the case was dismissed. For more, we're joined by Akeem Browder, Khalif Browder's older brother, founder of the campaign to shut down Rikers. Akeem Browder, it's wonderful to be able to meet you in person. Um, I know it was hard just in the music break, as we played Nina Simone, we were showing images of your brother. Um, you were seven, your family, seven kids? Yes. You called him Peanut? Yeah, Khalif was Peanut. He, uh... You know, I, I I appreciate you having uh, having me here, and I wish it was Khalif actually here, so that he can tell his story the way he would he would have, um, or my mom, who now we've we've lost two, I've had to go to two funerals already, um, within the last sixteen, not even two years, eighteen months, and in that time I've I've heard promises from De Blasio and. Um, that there was going to be uh, some reform justice made and uh, that other people wouldn't have to suffer the way Khalif did, which doesn't bring Khalif back at all, but it does let me know that or tells our family that something's going to be done about this, and yet not a single thing has been done. I mean, uh, when, when we're talking about <clears throat> how many people are on Rikers, it's, it, it's no longer at 15,000 where it was when I first started getting into this, but... Um, just because it's down to roughly sixty uh, seventy eight thousand um, doesn't mean that it's it, it, it makes a difference on the numbers of people that's actually going in, which is seventy thousand people. Seventy thousand people go into Rikers yearly, and if you realize that, and, and I overheard you guys uh, speaking about Gladiator School, these seventy thousand some odd people are black and brown skin, eighty nine percent of the population, and yet. We're going through gladiator school to then be released into public where people live and fear against you because you're on the news as a 
demonic animal or we're de demonized and dehumanized just because of our color of our skin most of the time. So, I mean, <clears throat> what Khalif went through, no kid should go through, um, go through. A lot of 16 and 17-year-olds are majority that make up that uh, 70,000 people who go into the system. What, uh, what are the chances? You mentioned the issue of closing down Rikers. There's been discussion, at least in the city council of New York, uh, uh, several council members, including the speaker of the council, have said that they are in favor of, of shutting down Rikers. Uh, the, the mayor, while apparently sympathetic to the issue, has not made that stance. What's your sense of how that movement is building and the potential that it might succeed? Uh, as I said, within the last uh, 18 months, there's <clears throat> there the mayor de blasio although sounding sympathetic it's lip service he tells us that um they're going to reduce the population however at that time from then till now it's only been a couple hundred not even because the population from 15 um, 1500 is only down to 1475 that's not movement that's not reform and that's not on um, that's being that's not being sympathetic <clears throat> Khalif lead to children, teenagers, being taken out of solitary confinement at Rikers? So, yes, there there is a movement to get—like, um, uh, well, I've been working with Close Rikers Group, um, where uh, we, we're pushing for uh, 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 raise the age awareness and uh, the Khalif Browder law. However, uh, we're focusing on Rikers Island, but the Department of Corrections, in which I used to work for while Khalif was there, um, as an engineer, not as an officer, but um, that population is just being refocused to—you're focusing on Rikers while there's more than just Rikers there. There's the boat. We have Manhattan House, Brooklyn House. Rikers Island is a The boat is a, a barge in the Bronx, A barge, isn't it? yes. Mm -hmm. And jail liter barge, yeah. literally, we're focusing at the wrong thing. We're focusing on Rikers. While, while we're focused at Rikers, what they're doing is abusing other um, human beings on, uh, in other facilities. You're unusual in that you <clears throat> both served at Rikers Island um, as a corrections guard? No, as an engineer. As, as an engineer. And you were also a detainee there. Yes. Talk about both experiences. You know, actually, I was um, I was there as an adolescent as well, and uh, at 16 years old, um, being there then, where they considered you an adult, what they would do is so the public is being lied to. What they're saying is that we're putting these um, these uh, adolescents in adolescent facilities, but me being there, I can tell you that what they do is. There's John Doe's. John Doe's are people who don't want to give up their age, but they're 34, 30, 28. And since they're considered John Doe's and they lie about their age, they're then entered into the adolescent prisons because they— How old they, were you when you were there? 16. Luckily. 15, going on 16. They said I was 26, actually, they, until they corrected. But then they put me in adolescent facility. But there were adults there. And what they do is they'll they'll entitle people different gang uh, gang members instead of trying to fix what's going on there they create the uh, the system of violence that's and that's really predominant. Uh, I, I want to turn to Khalif Browder in his <clears throat> own words in this December 2013 interview with HuffPost Live's Mark Lamont Hill. Browder talked about his suicide attempts at Rikers and his efforts to get psychiatric help. I would say I committed suicide about. 
five to six, five or six times. Okay, you attempted suicide five to six times. Yes. While all, in, while, all while still in prison. Yes. Wow. And I, I, I try, I tried to resort to telling the correction officers that I wanted to um, see a psychiatrist or a counselor, something. I was telling them I need mental health because I wasn't feeling right. All, all the stress from my case, everything was just getting to me, and I just, I just couldn't take it. I just needed somebody to talk to. I needed to just let, let, let. I just needed to be. I just needed to talk and be stress free. But the correction officers, they didn't want to hear me out. Nobody wanted to listen. That was your, your brother speaking to HuffPost live uh, uh, before he, he committed suicide himself? Yeah. Um, you know, my mother, she, she would have, if she were sitting here, she would have spoke of how, like, the trauma of having her son being lost to the system. The system has claimed already two of my family members through depression, anxiety, and stress. But she's not here anymore either. And I'm realizing now that the depression that that's transpired from Khalif to my mother is also to my family members where senators and everyone asks for us to you know go up and we got to push for reform we got to push for this law and that law they ask of us the family members to to speak and to come out yet when is it that they're going to realize these human families these people like my myself or my brother who's still suffering with depression cuz losing our mother is the hardest thing we had to do now we're being asked to come up to Albany and uh, force us to get out of our realm where we want to be more, more mourning of our family, but then does not provide help or services that could inevitably stop the uh, cycle of depression, like therapy or counseling or something like that, where it stops this because you've already created a cycle and it's not going to stop until it consumes everyone that's in that in that path. Khalif's. <clears throat> Oh, Mark, I just want to ask you, we only have about 30 seconds. Most New Yorkers, the only thing they ever, the only time they ever see Rikers Island is when they're flying into LaGuardia Airport uh, on a plane. Uh, what you're hoping they'll get out of your film? Well, it's no longer out of sight, out of mind. It's, uh, you know, we don't have to think about Guantanamo. We don't have to think about Abu Ghraib. I think what you just heard that, uh, you know, solitary, especially for adolescents, it's a form of torture. And uh, we've been doing it right here. Uh, and it's time to wake up, and it's time to change who we are. We want to thank you both for being with us. Um, Akeem Browder, you're now with Campaign to Shut Down Rikers. You lost your brother, Khalif, uh, to the system, as well as your mother. Um, and I want to thank Mark Levin, director of the film Rikers. It airs on WNET 13 on November 15th. Democracy Now! got an exclusive interview with Jay-Z as he premiered his new docu-series, Time, the Khalif Browder Story. Jay-Z, you called Khalif a uh, prophet. Why? Well, um, you know, we've seen prophets come in many shapes and forms, and uh, we've seen, uh, you know, sometimes tragedy happens for our prophets, Martin Luther King, and, you know, I believe this young man, his story will save a lot of lives. You know, uh, what was done to him was a huge injustice, and I think people will see his, his story and realize, like, man, this is going on. This is not like one case that happened. This is... This is happening a lot for people, you know, especially places where I come from, in the boroughs and Marcy Projects and Bronx and Brooklyn and all these places. So it's very important, this story. You knew Khalif. What were your thoughts when he committed suicide? I wouldn't say I knew him. You know, I heard about his story and I reached out to him and I met him, came to my office. 
the way this all happened was really, we'll explain that another time, but it was meant to happen. And um, he came to my office and I just, you know, wanted to see him and tell him that, uh, give him encouragement and what he had just, um, it was three years of his life that he was, that he had missed. And, you know, just offer encouragement and anything I could do for him. Do you think Rikers should be closed? Oh, man. Uh, well, if anything like that is happening, if, one, if that happens to one kid, any place that that can happen to any kid should be closed. That was Jay-Z, executive producer of Time, the Khalif Browder story. Stay connected with DIA 6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques right here on Face-to-Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. Emergency room nurse will tell you they receive some weird and wild calls. I used to be the night ER nurse at Hennepin County General Hospital in Minneapolis and remember getting a call from someone who was worried about if it mattered or not if their belly button was an innie or an outie. It doesn't matter, but if you're an outie, you are definitely the minority. Still, that's good news because you don't have to worry about a little problem that people with innies have. Pledge it. That's another word for belly button lint. Researchers say the color of the pledget in your belly button is related to the clothing you wear, just like the lint that collects in your clothes dryer. A friend of mine from the Philippines says they call it a chikachu. What do you call a person who's obsessed with their belly button? An omphalopsakite. Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Now that the weather is warmer, and in some places, it's just plain hot, getting to a swimming pool, lake, or ocean can be refreshing. Taking your workout to the water is a great idea. Running in the water is becoming very popular and is an excellent cardio workout. You don't need any special equipment, not even goggles. Water is 800 times denser than air and provides almost 12 times as much resistance as does the atmosphere. Land runners burn 8 calories per minute, whereas water runners burn over 11 calories per minute. On top of that, there's virtually no impact when you run in the water, so you are protecting your joints. I want to encourage you to take your run to the water, turn up the music, and have an invigorating and refreshing workout. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Baby, I've been thinking about you. Now, back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. All right, you guys, welcome back. Oh, my goodness, Khalif. Oh, my God. To me, you guys, that was just so heartbreaking. And it just really, um, you know, that really expressed how serious bullying is. And before we go any further, um, I want to speak with um, Nathan. And uh, Nathan, what I want to ask you is, you know, first of all, where can people find you? Well, they can find me a couple of different ways. There would be through Facebook. We have a, a group. So it would be facebook.com 
forward slash groups, forward slash freedom from PTSD. It's one place where you'll find me. The other major place is through the podcast I'm doing with my colleague Hamish, and it's called thethoughthackers.com. And so, yeah, that's where you'll find me for the most part. Yeah, I heard that. And you have really good content on the thought. Thank you. Thank you, you really do. I was like, yay, that's right. Keep going. And Sabrina, where can people find you? I have my website, ososafe.com. That's O-S-S-O, then the word safe.com. I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter under Sabrina Oso. Uh, so I would say that would be the best way. <laughs> Okay, and I'm so happy that you mentioned Oh So Safe because, Sabrina, tell us a little bit about what is Oh So Safe. Yes, uh, Oh So Safe is a company in which uh, I'm a speaker and consultant on promoting safety and preventing home violence in the workplace, in schools, and in your place of residence, really bringing this education and technology, for that matter, into the masses. Um, Because I feel like if your homes are safe, Everything else falls into place. Uh, you're safe at school. You're fa- you're safe in the workplace. You're safe in pu- in the public in general. Um, but if when homes are not safe, that's uh, that is a structural problem in and of itself. No, I agree 100%. And you know what? People don't really even think about, you know, safety at the school, safety, you know, in, in the business work area, because there's so there are bullies in the business work area. I remember, listen, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and share a story. I was working for the phone company at one time, and there was a, a supervisor who she just did not like me. She didn't like my style. I don't, I don't know what it is. And, uh, and maybe because I fell asleep on the job. <laughs> so... <laughs> I fell asleep on the job. So she was just, you know, she didn't like the fact that I wasn't fired for that, you know. So, but she, you know, I just had a new baby. So I was tired, you know, staying out with the new baby. But anyways, that's a long story. So, you know, when she took calls on me, she heard me snoring and she was like, what were you doing? (laughs) And of course, I was not going to tell her I was asleep. So she hated the fact that she could not ding me. And, and, and write me up for that because someone had already taken calls on me that that month. So her her report was null and void. But she started trying to bully me at work. And um, and, you know, because of the type of person I am, you know, I put my foot down. You know, uh, I don't need to speak with you every morning. I don't need to say how you're doing every morning. I didn't like her. She didn't like me. Um, I expressed that to her and I said, hey, we're both humans. It is what it is. Let's move on. But yeah, she tried to bully me in the workplace. I was young then. I was like maybe about 25. Yeah, because I just had my baby. So I was 25 years old, you know. But people don't really understand that bullying actually happens in the work space, you know. So I have a couple of questions for both of you guys. All right. Sure. Um, we can do, sure. um, let's do, let's do, let's do, uh, Sabrina first. Okay. And I, what I want to ask, and Nathan, you're going to answer this as well, because I want to know your perspective. And I love the fact that I have one male and one female here. Um, what are some of the warning signs for those that, who may think that they're being bullied? What are some of the warning signs you guys, uh, um, Sabrina first. Sure. Uh, Well, for one thing, you're living in fear. I would say that would be probably number one. And you feel like you cannot be yourself. You cannot be yourself at home. You cannot be yourself in the workplace. Bullying can happen anywhere. Uh, Also, it's a matter of control and uh, not being able to perform well because you're, you're afraid of being judged. 
in every way someone can be judged. So I would say uh, those things would be warning signs, um, being afraid to go out in public or in a certain space with people uh, that will hinder you from being yourself, performing your best at work, performing your best at school and being yourself at home. Okay. And what about you, Nathan? I would echo what you said. It, yeah. Definitely fear. I mean, when I was living at home, uh, when my father was still alive, the major fear that I had, it, it, being around him was like living in a minefield. And I never knew when I could put my foot down and land on safe ground or where I would put my foot down and it would and it would blow up in my face. So it was always like that around him. I never trusted him because I couldn't. And as an adult, when I finally left uh, the toxic environment of my family, uh, there were threats. Uh, there was a threat against my life at one point, and I was terrified of being hunted. And I did some extraordinary things to to protect myself. But I remember talking to a lawyer at one point who said, "You've got to get as far away from these people as you possibly can." Mm -hmm. And I actually walked out on on my family for the first time in 2005. I didn't talk to anyone for three years. I came back for a bit. The violence got worse. I walked out again three years later, and I haven't spoken to anyone since, and I never will. It uh, because it was it was. I realized, like I said, when I took responsibility for my part, there was that. But I also realized, the, and and I wrote a letter to that effect, saying this violence is never going to stop unless I stop it. Right. Because I know for certain that you people won't change. I have to make the change, so I did. And so since then. Um, it, there was an awful lot of fear going on, but what uh, it was just the story in my mind to do with the conditioned violence that kept going on. What changed it mm -hmm. was when I met my coach, Hamish Baston, and I went through the counseling for PTSD. And the major problem I had, which caused me tremendous suffering for most of my life, was what I call the inner war. And I went through a session with Hamish where he explained a process called anchoring. And... I, did, I actually did the exercise by myself. He wasn't present when I did it, but he told me what I needed to do. I did it. And when I did it, all the violence, all the war, all the pain, all the suffering, all the fear, everything just vanished instantly. And it wow. didn't come back. So, mm -hmm. I mean, when you talk about hypervigilance and triggers and uh, nightmares and flashbacks, all of that instantly vanished. None of it came back. There was one lingering problem that did recur but I spontaneously developed tools afterwards to do with the inner war and and I could just instantly call on them it's like if the voice or the, if the war started to come back I would say to the voice I say you can't come back you've been banished I turned the volume off and it would instantly stop mm. and so very, very powerful what I learned. So, I mean, so for people who have been bullied, people who are listening to this, people who have suffered severe trauma, there is another side to it. You can get help as I did, which is NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. We talk about it on our site, Thought Hackers. And, uh, yeah. But that's what made the change. And so, yeah, I can talk about it with you, but in some ways it feels like it happened to someone else a long time ago. So yeah. it's kind of a strange... Uh, thing but it but in terms of the major problems to do with PTSD that's that's gone from my life 
That you know what you are so blessed to even be able to say something like that because the majority of people that's very hard because you know a lot of people don't understand that it's a psychological energy that is happening and 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 listen and I want to say this too on the video that we heard with Khalif, uh, Sabrina and Nathan. Um, I remember his older brother saying, even though Jay-Z came into the picture, even though they were inviting him out and trying to make him feel warm and loving and and appreciative, um, that wasn't enough because it was a psychological energy that was going on with him that nobody helped try to prevent or change or, or even recognize or understand. And that's how even after all of that has been said, he still turned around and committed suicide because yeah. they wanted focusing on his psychosis you know what i mean well, so, well, what yeah. what what's going on just to give you a quick uh, synopsis of it the the major problem is that a lot of these people use talk therapy it doesn't work mm-hmm. the problems are held at the level of the unconscious mind and you need to speak to the unconscious mind in its language if you yeah. do that as my coach did with me mm-hmm. then you can effect massive rapid change like it, it only took like five sessions with my no, coach I get- yeah, I to, did it. To yeah. wipe it out. And it was yeah. astonishing because I thought I was going to die from this. I really did. Mm-hmm. And when it vanished that one day, I didn't even realize what had happened. You didn't realize it, about, yeah. No, yeah. no. Yeah. Ten yeah. days later, I did in uh-huh. a conversation with Hamish. But I, at the time it happened, I knew something big had changed, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. And Sabrina, what about you? How did you take the steps of uh, changing your life so that it wouldn't affect you and or does it still affect you today? I mean, who am I to assume? Well, I did move out uh, and to Nathan's point, you, uh, the way he left, uh, I also left. Uh, I had moved out when I was 21 years old and, and then I got help with therapy uh, more one-on-one, you know, because you, uh, for me, it was more to talk it out and what happens with violence it is a war definitely in fact when you live in that environment it's like living in in a war zone you know and home is supposed to be a safe zone if there's any place that you need to be safe is in your own home so therapy helped me a lot and also just developing my company and knowing that I'm helping others and what I'm doing with uh, with the company, uh, helps me tremendously. You know, you heal yourself by healing others and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So yes. I would say, uh, that's very, very helpful and, and healing. Yes. And you know what? I'm so happy that you say that because we always have to start with ourselves. We start with ourselves of loving, right? We, even if you, right. and you know what, even if we don't grow up in a loving household, when you, when you become an adult, you understand what is missing, but guess what, you guys, we are at the end of our show. Um, you guys, listen, this is a serious issue. This is a serious problem. Learn to be conscious in your household first, learn to be conscious within yourself, learn how to exercise love, learn how to exercise appreciation. And when you do that within yourself, you do that with everyone in your household. That means, i.e., your children, God darn it, even your animals. There are even animals that who are bullying because of the energy that are inside that is um, you know, current inside their home. So you guys, once again, I have author, you know, Nathan Siegel and Sabrina Oso there who joined us here on the show. And I'm so grateful for you guys. I'm Daia Six. Love, peace, and blessings. I'm wishing everybody great success in life. We are coming up to the end. And don't forget to follow me on 
Instagram because we just started that up for you guys. And don't forget, Healthy Relationship Talk Radio Facebook group page. Bye-bye. Us next week, same time, same place, as Daia continues to give practical tools for simple, healthy, face-to-face relationship living. Remember, relationships aren't hard if you have the proper tools to build you a solid foundation. Don't forget to visit FacingRelationships.com for further assistance. That's www.facingrelationships.com.